you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 127 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, the A's split another doubleheader, but I'm not necessarily bummed out about them splitting this one, even though it came in heartbreaking fashion. I'll get into it. Um, I also have some thoughts on the playoffs and matchups and all that stuff that I'm going to share with you guys. And in the second segment, I'm going to talk about some recent performers that could give the A's offense and the A's in general a brand new look. So I'm going to talk about some recent standout guys, see what they've been doing, how they could impact the A's in the postseason. So uh, I'm going to do all that for you guys. And if I miss somebody, please let me know at Locked on A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us or you want to send me some uh, some other guys to keep an eye out on, send that to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Before I get into the meat of the episode, though, injury note off the top. Steve Biscotti exited game one with a right knee sprain. They don't know how bad it is yet. He's going to be reevaluated in Colorado. My best guess is he's not going to be playing in Colorado. They got two games there before an off day on Thursday. Probably not going to see him until the weekend when they face the Giants. That's my guess. But, uh, or, you know, if he plays at all. I don't know how bad right knee strains go, but I I must, at this point, just assume everybody's out for the season because there's two weeks left. Um, And then we readjust from there. It's quite fun. Um, And that'll come into play in the second half here uh, when I talk about some standout guys and how they could impact the team moving forward. Uh, Playing without Stephen Piscotty plays a role in this, and I'll explain that in just a few minutes. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the A's Mariners split. Uh, it, it was not a fun loss. The, the game one loss, they they were up by five. Uh, they ended up losing six to five. Big Mariners comeback victory. Uh, Luzardo kind of lost it a little bit. He said that yeah, he was having a hard time breathing, which is not great. The A's probably shouldn't have been, uh, and the Mariners. The A's and Mariners probably shouldn't have been playing in the smoke because it looked terrible. And uh, people started tweeting at MLB. Susan Slusser tweeted at MLB being like, hey, well, what's up with this uh bob melvin not happy nobody seemed happy that uh they had to you know, go out there and play and uh rightfully so what is the cutoff i mean they're already playing in a pandemic why not just throw some bad air quality in there too and uh you know anyways so they lost the first game wasn't great but as uh it has been pointed out on twitter and i was saving it to talk about this episode but uh people got to it first um Whatever the outcome was today and in their final uh, season series coming up in a couple weeks, it's a win-win situation for the A's. They don't, if they win, they gain ground on uh, the Astros. If they lose, the Mariners gain ground on the Astros. It's a win-win situation for the A's. The A's have a comfortable enough lead where they don't necessarily need to be worrying about the Astros in their rear view. It's at six and a half after the doubleheader split. So... The A's would really have to fall apart, and the Astros would have to win basically all the rest of their games for them to lose the West. And if you are unfamiliar with the playoff seeding, how it is working this season, there are eight teams making it. The three division winners get the top three seeds, Uh, regardless of record. They're ranked according to record, but uh, if... Like uh, over in the NL, in the NL West, the Dodgers and Padres have the two best records in the National League. 
the Padres are the fourth seed currently. So that plays no bearing into where they are seeded. It's just division winners get the top three, kind of like, you know, the regular playoffs. So no real change there. Uh, the big change comes with uh, the four through six seeds because those are all the second place finishers in each division. And those are also ranked by, by record. So in this case, the Astros have, they are the second place team in the AL West. They are not a great team. They are below 500. They are the only team below 500 in this stretch of teams. And uh, that would place them in the sixth spot right now. And, you know, may maybe you want to face the Astros a little bit. I don't know. They're, they've been banged up. They're getting a little bit healthier. We'll see. Um, but then the seventh and eighth seeds are kind of traditional wild cards. So the six teams that are already in the playoffs are taken out. And then the rest of the teams are sorted by division. And those, the best two teams make it. That's how that works. And basically those two spots are kind of claimed right now, but we don't necessarily know who's going to be taking them, if that makes any sense. So uh, the AL Central is a three-team race. So you got the best team, say Cleveland wins the best record. Uh, they are the one, two, or three seed. And then you got the second place team, which would be the White Sox or the Minnesota Twins. They would be four or five. They're not going to be six, fourth or fifth. And then the other team would be seventh because they have the best record. So that's how that's working. So whoever's the number two seed kind of gets screwed over a little bit because they're going to face a pretty decent team. They can either pitch or hit or both. Um, so you kind of want to avoid the two spot, and I'll get into that here in a second as well. Uh, and then the eight seed will either be the Yankees or the Blue Jays. And if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, uh, I'm saying that the Yankees are probably going to not end up in that spot. The, the Yankees and Blue Jays have seven more games against each other. They're going to be playing each other, and the Yankees are getting healthier. They've been ravaged by injuries. I assume that they're going to take over the number two spot in their division, which puts them up to fifth or fourth, depending on how they end up, uh, you know, going the last couple of weeks. And this all is a way of sort of answering a question that I got on Twitter, and that was, who do you not want to face in the playoffs? And uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's anybody that's the number seven seed, that's number one, where you don't want to face the central team, because either it's going to be Cleveland, and they got Shane Bieber, who's going to be the Cy Young winner, most likely, maybe the AL MVP. He's pitching his ass off right now. Do you want to face him and then have to win the other two games? Because you're probably not going to beat Shane Bieber. And they have a bunch of arms. So that seems like a really tough matchup in the first round when it's only a three-game series. If you face him in the second round, maybe you got a shot. But first round, I don't think I trust the A's bats in a three-game series against those guys. Um, and then if it's not them, then they got uh, the Twins, who have some pretty decent arms. They got some really good bats. They're kind of like the A's, where... It, it, one of them can beat you. You don't know which one it is. It could be both on any given night. Um, it, you don't know which one you're going to get, and you don't necessarily want to play that crapshoot because they have some real talent on that team. And then the White Sox, they crush lefties. You know what the A's have? A bunch of left-handed starters, and you don't want to necessarily go with them. They're also a young and exciting team. And guys like uh, Louis Robert or Luis Roberts, uh, the A's pitchers have not faced him yet. They have a bunch of guys like that. They just they they don't have as big of a track record as like guys on the Twins. They, the Twins have a lot of veterans. You might be able to get them out. Uh, the White Sox are a big wild card. Lucas Giolito threw a no hitter earlier this season, so he's pretty good when he's on. Uh, they got Dallas Keuchel, another guy that the A's would probably struggle against because. He's a veteran lefty that's crafty. Uh, and, you know, that's two wins right there. Do you want to face them in the first round? Not necessarily. So 
You got the Yankees, who I don't think are going to be there. The Blue Jays might be an easier out. Uh, I, I don't know. They, they made some upgrades. They're getting a little bit healthier. You got Bo Bichette over there. He's been really good. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hasn't necessarily been the, the hyped up prospect that we were expecting, but he's still got talent. I think that the A's could beat the Blue Jays. I just think that it wouldn't be a fun matchup to watch. It'd be very stressful. Not a good time. And that leads me to, you know, why I wasn't necessarily upset that the A's dropped one of the games of the doubleheader. And I'm not saying that the A's should go out and throw games at all. I'm saying that it might work out that way. If the Seattle Mariners can keep their end of the bargain in the next week and a half until that final series, and they hold their own against Houston, maybe take a lead against Houston, maybe they're tied with Houston going into that final weekend. The the A's got four games against Seattle. They would probably rather face Seattle in the first round of the playoffs. So you lose a couple of games, you put them in, you're all of a sudden, you know, knocking yourself down into that three spot. And then Seattle's at that number six spot. You're facing Seattle in the first round. That's not a bad matchup. Number two, if you're going to be, you know, not throwing games, but, you know, not trying your hardest to win. Uh, so kind of throwing games, then you're probably going to be resting your own guys. So you're going to be more fresh for a hopefully deep postseason run in October. And you, you're going to be able to, you know, get an easier opponent by doing that. And then hopefully being ready for the second round. You don't want to look past Seattle. They had a big comeback win, I know, uh, but the Mariners aren't quite there yet. They're a fun and exciting team. I enjoy watching them, except for when they're having big comebacks against the A's. Like even that Kyle Lewis, uh, you know, robbery job on Ramon Laureano for, he took back a grand slam. Even that I was okay with because it was early and there was plenty of times to score nine more runs. And uh, Kyle Lewis just looked so happy about doing it. It was very Ken Griffey Jr.-esque. Uh, there is a tweet out there. I believe I retweeted it from the Locked on A's account. Uh, it's just a side-by-side of the time that Griffey robbed his home run ball and Kyle Lewis and just the excitement that they had on their faces and how they were running in. And uh, it, it was beautiful. Kyle Lewis is a lot of fun to watch. I enjoy watching him play. I think the A's could beat the Mariners. So if they drop a couple of games against Seattle, I'm not mad. And I'll usually advocate for trying your best. And this is a very special circumstance where the A's get to rest their players. They get an easier first round matchup if everything works out, you know, with the other week and a half of play that the Mariners have to, you know, keep winning some games and the Astros might have to lose a couple. The, the Astros have an easy schedule coming up, so it's not going to be necessarily easy peasy, but we'll see. Uh, but if you can get the Mariners in, break their nearly two decade long playoff drought, kick the Astros out of the playoffs and rest your own guys, that's a win-win-win right there. You don't get those very often. So if the A's want to take a couple of games off, I'm okay with that. Let's get weird in October, you guys. All right, so coming up after the break, I'm going to talk about some of the guys that are coming alive here in the last uh, week or so, maybe in the last couple of games, and how them playing well would have a huge impact on the A's postseason chances. So I've got that coming up for you right after the break. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Built Bar. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, and they also have six new flavors for you. Those six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. If you've ordered with Built Bar before, you know that they are soft and chewy, they taste like candy bars, they are actually protein bars, and they are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. 
I really enjoy them. Throw them in the refrigerator, especially if you want a nice little tasty treat that gives you a bunch of protein. And they're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. Just a flavor profile for you guys real quick. Here's a peanut butter one. This is a classic flavor. I'm going, I'm going old school on this one. The peanut butter one has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 net carbs. The old saying is, you get what you pay for, but in this case, you're eating way more than what you pay for. Those are just some excellent ratios. You gotta love that. So you might be asking yourself, hey Jason, how do I take advantage of this? How do I get some Built Bars? Why are you talking about this? I got you right here. You go to BuiltBar.com, you enter the code Locked On. that is one word, Locked On. you get $10 off your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. They are also offering a free cooler with purchase. You get a little cooler for your little bars, you can walk around the house with all your treats. If swindling Built Bar and getting more than what you paid for for those bars just wasn't enough for you, they've got the cooler for you guys. So to get all all this stuff, all you got to do, go to BeltBar.com, pick a pick a box that you want. You can get an assortment, you can get all one flavor, doesn't matter to me, as long as you're happy. You go to BeltBar.com, enter the code locked on. you get $10 off, you get Belt Bars in like a week. So just one last time, go to BeltBar.com, enter the code locked on. that is one word, locked on. you get $10 off your first box at BeltBar.com. Welcome back to Locked On A's. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And also please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any mailbag questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So I'm going right back into the show here. Uh, with the injury to Piscotti, depending on how long he is out, we could see some sort of a DH platoon situation going forward here. See what we really have with the lineup where you got Chris Davis against lefties because he's a right-handed batter. And then you got Jake Lamb, new edition Jake Lamb, who got a good game. Uh, having him face the righties because he can only hit righties. So don't let him face any lefties and uh, just take it from there. So in his A's debut, Jake Lamb went two for four with a home run and a double. And some of his post-game comments made it kind of sound like Arizona cutting him was a bit of a wake-up call. So now he's with Oakland, he's getting a second chance, and if he needs to be more focused, I don't know what it would take, but getting cut by the team that you've been with forever, and then having a contending team with actual World Series aspirations claiming you and, you know, making your trade for you, signing you, that's the one, they signed them. Uh, if that doesn't give him any sort of incentive to, you know, really put it together for a month and a half, I don't know what will. So we're really going to see if Jay Clam has some stuff left in the tank, I think. And uh, hopefully he does, because that would be great for the A's. And if you missed it over the weekend, I did an emergency pod when they were, you know, Chapman went down and they were talking about maybe signing Jake Lamb. I basically said that I think that they're going to play Jake Lamb as much as possible over the next couple of weeks to see if he does have something in that bat. If it's something that they can fix with, you know, change the scenery, maybe a little bit of an improvement with his timing mechanism, something like that, because he hasn't been great. He had like a 14 WRC plus. Obviously, if you look at that, you're like, why, why would you sign this guy? But he has hit 30 home runs in the past. He has been good in the past. So see if there's anything there. It's a They don't need to win games right now, it, but they do need to win games in October. So if you could add him to the lineup, he gives you more power than Vimeo Machin or Tommy Lastella or or you know, uh, Tommy Lastella is going to be playing wherever or, uh, you know, Tony Kemp. He gives you more power. He could impact a game with his bat really quickly. And I think that that's what the A's are looking for. So if they can get into his power stroke, get him like, 
home run every 10 at bats, something like that. If he can get on that kind of a, a role, then he's a huge acquisition for the playoff run. And I think that's why they did it. So they're going to see what they got with him for two weeks. If he can't hit anything, then maybe they leave him on the postseason roster anyway and hope that he runs into something in a big situation. Uh, or they just leave him off and they go with Femi Almachin, who can give you a good A-B. Uh, you go with Tony Kemp, who can give you a good A-B. And uh, go from there and go with more good at-bats as opposed to waiting for the big blast. So I think that's where Jake Lamb is going to come into play here. But as for Davis, uh, he's also been really good. This month, he hasn't been playing a bunch. They, Bob Melvin's been picking and choosing where to put him in. And uh, it's kind of working. Chris Davis is 5 for 15 this month. He has a home run, a couple of doubles, and three walks. He struck out six times. I know. But the three walks are encouraging. Th those numbers are kind of close. So I'm okay with that. He's been hitting the ball a little bit harder. So if he can get, you know, that extra uh, mile an hour or two on his exit velocity, like I was talking about last week, that'd be great. And then he could start driving the ball a little bit more. But uh, as long as he's not just striking out every at bat, I think we're okay with Chris Davis, right? Uh, let, let him move the runners over in a big situation. Let him do the things that he needs to do and then hit a home run every now and then. That's all we need from Chris Davis. So I think that if either of these guys gets going, that adds a huge bat into the A's offense. And if both of them get going, you'll always have the matchup that favors the A's at the ready with Katie being the righty and Lamb being the lefty. It, you can't go wrong. You have a chance for a big momentum shift with each swing of their bats. And in the playoffs, that's kind of a big thing. They don't have the personnel to have, you know, great at-bats like Tommy LaStella and just keep the line moving. They don't have that kind of personnel. They're, they're not on the free agent market. They're not available for the ace. So this is what the move that they made, and I'm okay with them seeing if it works. If it doesn't, and they got to go with Vimy on my team in the playoffs, that's fine. He's probably going to be playing third base most of the time anyway because he's a pretty decent defender, and he gives you a good at-bat. It's probably going to be taking up the DH spot, and that DH spot... Uh, if I didn't make it clear, uh, it had been a rotating shift of Canna, Loriano, Piscotti, and Grossman using both uh, all three of the outfield spots and then the designated hitter because they'd all been playing so well. And with Piscotti down, now you have room to actually use Chris Davis in that spot. Or you can use Seth Brown in that spot if you want to, or whoever. You could use Tommy LaStella there and then have to uh, Tony Kemp play second base. You can do other things now. Uh, that you don't need the fourth outfielder taking up that spot. So that's where Piscotti's injury comes into play and where, you know, Jake Lamb comes into play and where Chris Davis comes into play and why their bats getting going is a welcome sign with the postseason looming. Um, another guy that's actually arguably the hottest setter on the team right now is Sean Murphy. Over his past seven games, Murphy is eight for 20, which is good for a 400 batting average and a 538 on base percentage. Plus, he's club four home runs, walks six times. He's doing it all. He plays great defense. Really got to love Sean Murphy. Uh, the only downside, and it's not even his fault, is that all six of Murphy's home runs this year have been solo homers. So if you can get anybody on in front of him, he can be a difference maker too. I really like Sean Murphy. He's been a lot of fun. So hopefully he can keep it going. Uh, but moving on real quick, the last person I want to talk about is Mike Miner. Maybe it's recency bias, but he pitched a hell of a game in game two of the doubleheader. The game that the A's won, you know, nine to nothing. Because, and the zero was because of Mike Miner. Uh, the nine was because of other guys that I've already mentioned on this podcast. So... Obviously, the A's front office saw something that I didn't, and uh, he's been decent, I guess. Where I, I've seen where they could maybe be using him in the playoffs. 
So I, I will give them credit on that one. Good on them. He just tossed a seven inning complete game. He allowed two hits. Good on him. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I don't know how Bob Melvin's necessarily going to be planning on using him. Again, he's another lefty, so if they're facing the White Sox, you don't necessarily want all of your lefties uh, going against them because they crush left-handed pitching. So that's not going to be fun. Um, but he has shown us that he can go three innings or so, like one time through a, a, a batting order. And that could be that could be enough in the playoffs. If you can get Mike Miner to go give you some length out of the bullpen, say uh, Frankie Montas goes four and he's doing okay, but then he gets a little bit shaky, take him out. Just throw Mike Miner in there and then send it to the back end of the bullpen. And End of story. Open shut. The end. That's all you need. I don't know that I necessarily want Mike Miner starting games in the playoffs, but if it happens, then we have something to talk about on the podcast. So, you know, content. Yeah. Uh, I really actually don't want him doing that. I was joking. Um, you guys know that by now. You, you, you know. You know. Anyways, that's going to be it for me today, you guys. If there's anybody else that you think that I should be keeping an eye on over the last or over the next couple of weeks here, uh, just let, let me know. Tweet me at ByJasonB on Twitter, or you can uh, tweet the show at LockedOnAs. I'm also live-tweeting all the games, so you can talk to me during that time, too. But uh, that is going to be it for me today, you guys. So until next time, stay indoors, celebrate good times, Oakland, keep wearing those masks, and I will talk with you guys tomorrow.